Welcome to Kingdom Talk 2.0 Radio Hour with Dennis McCord, founder of God Hope Ministry and Pastor Charlie Avila from Clovis Christian Center. Kingdom Talk is where Christ is King and we are subjects and citizens of the Kingdom of God. Oh, yes, we are. Kingdom Talk 2.0, that's every Saturday from 1 to 2 right here on 1550 KXEX, the best talk in town, and we are talking all things Kingdom We are pressing in. We're looking at the scriptures. We're wanting to understand the times so we can know what Israel or what the church ought to do. So I'm just grateful to be here with Pastor Charlie Avila again, as always. Thank you for being here, Charlie. Yeah, thank you for allowing me to be here to talk about the Word of God. It's always good to talk about God's Word and especially these end-time themes. You know, we really do need to understand these things. We were having a a Bible study here, and our producer was was pointing out how, how Daniel was looking into the Bible prophecies of Jeremiah mm-hmm. to understand the times he was in and how those Bible prophecies applied to him and his people at his time. Yeah. So how much more <clears throat> should we be looking at the prophetic scriptures to understand them so yeah. we can then know how to live our lives and what we should be doing, how to be prepared for what's coming upon the earth? Very That's good. a beautiful example. Yes. Perfect. I love it. Yes. Uh, and so that's what we're doing here. We're looking at Daniel chapter 9. I uh, ask all of our listeners to open up their Bibles or their cell phones or whatever you got there, uh, as long as you're not driving, and uh, <laughs> take a look uh, at what we're going to be reading here and, and looking at in Daniel 9, starting in verse 27. And you were saying that in those verses there, how many verses is that? Uh, 27 to... Yeah, the end of the chapter. Uh, verse 24, verses 24, 24 25, right. 26, and 27. There's almost 200 words in those four verses. It's packed with a lot of stuff. Isn't Very powerful revelations. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so um, we do want to say again uh, that uh, this is a non-essential teaching that we're uh, teaching. It's not about your salvation if you do not hold to this particular view, obviously. I should say, I mean, I shouldn't have to say, obviously, but um, the reality is, is that um, we recognize there are good brothers and sisters who have a different view on the end times, uh, all millennialists, post-millennialists, and and, uh, different types of premillennialists that we love as brothers who have their faith in Jesus, uh, his divinity, his death, burial, and resurrection, ascension, and his soon return. And uh, we recognize them as true brothers. So... Uh, in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, diversity, and all things charity. So going forward, we want to, though, uh, really take a look at the Scriptures and uh, not be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but to understand truly what is coming upon the earth and what has already been fulfilled and what is yet to be fulfilled. That's a big part of our duty as Bible students is to uh, look at the Scriptures to determine those things and and then be aware of what's you know yet to come. And so mm-hmm. in Daniel 9, verses 24 to 27, should we just go ahead and read that again? Yeah, or? I think so. I think maybe even we should back up to verse 20, because that gives us a context of what happened leading okay. into those verses. So st- if you want to start with verse 20, that'd sure. be great. And while I was speaking and praying, this is Daniel speaking here, mm-hmm. and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God for the holy mountain of my God. 
Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening sacrifice. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give you skill and understanding. At the beginning of your supplications and commandment, I came forth and I am come to show you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are determined upon your people and upon your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem unto Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built and the wall even in troubles times. And after the 60 and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary in the end shall be with a flood unto the end of the war. Desolations are determined and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation and the determined shall be poured upon the desolate. That's a mouthful. (laughs) 200 words. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I think we should note uh, right away that this last verse of Daniel 9, 9, 27, if it were not in the Bible, just this one single verse, if it were not in the Bible, there would be no secret rapture teaching, which tells me that everything, and I mean everything, rides on this single verse for the entire end time scheme that has been brought by the dispensational teachers like Hal Lindsey and John Wolvert and Tim LaHaye and the whole Left Behind series. So this this whole thing is writing on one verse. And many evangelical Christians don't understand that that's the case, but for these people that we call dispensationalist believers, they all the prophetic scriptures of the New Testament depend for them on 9, John 9.27. That's uh, amazing to think about. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> if it wasn't, we scratch that verse out. There would be no pre-trib rapture, which which tells you that as as big of a scheme as they have made it, all of it writing on one verse, um, it's kind of a scary position to be holding. You know, it's like you don't have very much to hold on to because no other rapture verse, and there's at least fifty sections of scripture in the Bible that mention the rapture, talk about the rapture. So just just for review, yes, what we're talking about is historical premillennialism that is recognizing that uh, we see the apostles teaching this, but the early fathers held to the idea of a premillennial coming of Jesus, yeah. and and at the second coming of Jesus, uh, the the uh, wicked are destroyed. The, well, let's say the righteous are resurrected, mm-hmm. and the living saints are caught up. The the wicked are destroyed. And then Christ comes back with the saints, sits on the throne of David, mm-hmm. and rules and reigns for a thousand years. Okay, and it's a, it's a it's a coming of judgment. the The only coming of Jesus is a coming of judgment, never one secretly or like right. That, right. It's all so the it's same always time. a judgment coming, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, correct. Now, verses 
uh, dispensational premillennialism, which does hold Jesus to the view that Jesus comes back before the thousand years. Yes. But there are some hybrid um, novel teachings that came up in uh, the 19th century, mm-hmm. around 1830, yeah. with John uh, Nelson Darby, yes. that introduced ideas that that there isn't really just a second coming, there's a secret coming that before the second coming, you know, yeah. that captures the church away mm-hmm. uh, seven years prior to his second coming, yeah. which is foreign to the scriptures and yeah. is not justified. Yeah. Uh, so that's within premillennialism. And so we reject that idea of the, the pre-trib rapture. Uh, we do see that there's really only one second coming and all of those things happen at the same time. Now, yes. on, on that note, um, you're saying that uh, the entire scheme of pre-trib dispensationalism or the rapture of the church seven years prior is based upon uh, this one passage of scripture in Daniel 9. Yeah. Actually, one verse you're saying is it? There's one verse. 27. There's just one verse. And, and they themselves... Uh, all, all, all through the years, especially those, those middle years, the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, when they were really preaching that, teaching, uh, you know, Ironside, Alva McLean, all those people, Wolverd, they were all saying that, yes, this is the verse that lays out the whole, it's the foundation for everything that we're teaching. They themselves said it, so we don't, we don't have to try to come up and say, accuse them of saying anything they themselves taught that. So now, now, and that, and that one verse is verse 27 of chapter nine. Correct. Now in 26, the dispensationalist pre-trib, uh, scholars, they, they do recognize that is the uh, crucifixion of Jesus. Correct. Yes. Yes, that's right. So, so, so then verse 27 is where they, uh, diverge from, uh, historical understanding of Daniel chapter nine and introduce this idea that the last week or seven years of the 490 years is cut off and brought down here. Right. There's a gap. Um, And (laughs) so, 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 so that's where the seven year scheme comes from Mm -hmm. is that last week. Now, could they not hold to some sort of, uh, pre-trib rapture if they were to go to other scriptures and say, well, we're not pointed like, like first Thessalonians, Chapter five, we're not appointed into wrath, but salvation. They could say, well, well, even if it's not seven years, it's sometime prior to, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of a pre-wrath view as well. Which, pre-wrath, yeah, mm-hmm. which is uh, more of a post-trib pre-wrath view. Mm-hmm. So, so, but really, what we're saying though is, it's that one week mm-hmm. is the is the where they get the seven-year pre-trib rapture. That's correct. Yeah, there's no other place because uh, we've said this in previous broadcasts. The f- seven years is only mentioned one time in the whole New Testament, for example, seven years, one time. And that's in Luke 2.36, and it was talking about Anna living with her husband for seven years. So yeah. they can't find seven years in any New Testament book. There's 27 books that you can't find it. Mm-hmm. And every verse that mentions the rapture, the 1 Corinthians 15 that they always use, 1 Thessalonians 4, John 14, all those verses, none of them mention a time element. Three and yeah. a half years, whatever, pre-wrath, yeah. nothing like that. I mean, they, they could quote that one scripture out of 1 Thessalonians, I think it's 5, verse 9 and 10. Sure. There, but no, that they can't find it. The interesting thing for me is, 
when you go to not Daniel nine twenty seven, it says nothing about a resurrection or a rapture or the second coming or the day of the Lord or the Antichrist or the great tribulation. I mean, they try to use that pronoun, which we will talk about of he to make it be the Antichrist, but it doesn't mention any of those statements anywhere. And so what happens is that the rapture teachers really use eisegesis. You know, they, they read into it what they want it to say rather than having that verse read out to them what it's teaching. And so that's where the, the error comes in. And uh, it's amazing. I've taught so many different pastors have been reading my book and, and they just right away, they see, they see that. They see that, okay, this, the time element is missing in all the rapture passages. And it's be, that seven years then, they grab that week, that seven-year time period, and they impose that on every verse, on every verse that mentions the rapture. And that's, that's, that's where the air comes. That's where they eisegesis instead of exegesis. Now, what's interesting so. is that uh, in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus does mention uh, the abomination of desolation. Now, mm-hmm. now, now what's, what, what is clearly referring to is a first century event, not a uh, 21st century or beyond event. Correct. Because uh, just in quick uh, overview there, uh, in Matthew 24, uh, Jesus says, uh, and when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel stand in the holy place, um, uh, he that reads, let him, let him understand. Mm-hmm. And you, which are in Judea, flee to the mountains, right? Mm-hmm. But then Luke interprets that in Luke 21. It says, when you see the armies of Jer- armies uh, surrounded Jerusalem, yeah. th- uh, know the desolation thereof is nigh, and uh, and uh, Jerusalem shall be trodden down the Gentiles, so the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. Then he says, and you which are in the mountains, flee in Judea, flee to the mountains, right? Yeah. So so Luke interprets the abomination of desolation with regards to really the Roman armies uh, of Titus yes. uh, coming around uh, Jerusalem and then warning the Christians to flee, and then the ransacking of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple <clears throat> Um there in AD 70. So that's right. the, so that's a first century event. So it's a very localized, very um, historical event that already has taken place. He was prophesying it at the time that he wrote it. but Going forward, yeah. Yeah, going forward. From but Daniel's to time. us now, it's, yeah. we look back at 70 AD, and that, that is, that's an excellent point right there that really dismantles again this whole system of belief uh, that's going forward. Yeah. There, uh, and, and there's a seven year, uh, tribulation and the church is caught before then. Yeah. Let me ask you this right up front. Uh, how do you feel about the, this, the pre wrath, uh, view? Uh, it seems to me it's, it's just kind of a hybrid, um, or a slight adjustment to the post trib, yeah. uh, view, which is basically, I'm, I, I believe we're caught up away from wrath, you know, right. so we're protected up and two, and then we're caught up just before the destruction of the wicked there at Jesus' second coming. Yeah, I read that book, and I'm trying to think who the author is. I read that book very carefully, and the guy did a lot of really good research. I forgot his name. He wrote the book on the pre-wrath coming of the Lord, and um, he, he, he made a lot of very good points. But in his scheme, Jesus still has to come twice. He still has to come secretly to rapture us out, and then there's a time period oh, okay. and, then, and then the wrath gets poured out. And so he, 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 it's correct 
what he's saying, that we're not appointed into wrath. The Bible teaches that. But it's okay to say also our position, you know, that we get raptured out first and then the Lord comes, fully descends, and the wrath of God is poured out then as well. But we are out of here in the twinkling of an eye, right? So it happens right away, very quickly, um, in an instant, you know, we're, we're out of here. So it doesn't take a long time. We don't have to have a long time period to be out of here, you know. So that's, it's still the pre-wrath position has Jesus coming not necessarily secretly, but coming a little bit in advance, and then he'll come a little bit later. Um, and he doesn't give the exact time period, but it's it's a pre-wrath uh, coming of the Lord, and so we don't we don't need to have that. It can all happen in one day. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I think what you brought out there is kind of the Achilles heel of the pre-wrath view, because mm-hmm. if they're still holding to a secret coming, because it's a clear as the lightning shines from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man. It's going to be all ice. Every mm-hmm. eye shall see him, right? Right. And you still, so then there's have, they're having to bifurcate or separate this coming for the church, even though it's not seven years. Yeah. So that is a, a, a erroneous, uh, I think, teaching within the pre-wrath view. Yes. Um, that's a very important point. Now, yeah. I do want to recognize we're going to have different levels of understanding on our listeners. So yeah. there's going to be some listeners that are being introduced to this subject. And yes. even the whole idea of a, tribulation period and uh, even the rapture, the catching away of the church. Um, certainly uh, I would say all of our listeners, um, at least the vast majority other than a brand new believer or such are familiar with the resurrection and the second coming. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just want to say this to our listeners, you know, if you're not familiar, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, but it's also okay to be, um, so to be, uh, uh, to allow yourself to be uh, accustomed to hearing these terms and to, to immerse yourself in them and to learn and get glimpses here and there and realize it's like a giant puzzle piece. You're going to get pieces as you go along and hopefully today you'll get a couple pieces and you can um, go forward learning and building on that foundation. So, so just take what you can Mm -hmm. uh, and, and allow yourself to, to put some things on the shelf Uh, and you can always take them down later when they fit within your, schematic of what you understand of end times but we certainly don't want to shy away from these very you know deep subjects and and sometimes difficult to understand Mm -hmm. uh we want to uh kind of do some heavy lifting and be willing to stretch our our spirits our minds our souls to to understand god's prophetic word so i just want to encourage you to hang in there and if you don't understand some things that's okay you can email pastor charlie uh, or call him in the middle of the night. No, you can yeah. email him I'll at uh, <laughs> the teacher of the Bible at Gmail. Is that what it is? Teacher of the Bible teacher. at gmail.com. That's teacher correct. of the Bible at gmail.com, or you can email me at dennis.mccourt at gmail.com. That's Dennis with two N's and then dot McCourt, M C C O U R T at gmail.com. So, yes. so, so now, now, uh, laying the foundation here uh, for uh, the rest of our discussion today, I do think we have to acknowledge that we should have a little bit of sympathy for our pre-trib rapture brothers with regards to the idea that there are prophetic scriptures that are telescopic. In other Mm -hmm. words, where there are verses, maybe just two verses sometimes, where one verse is talking about the first coming of Jesus Mm -hmm. and the next verse is talking about the second coming of Jesus. And if you didn't understand that prophecy can be telescopic, where uh, it's like, 
when you're looking at mountains, you look at the Sierras here and you're down here in, in Fresno, it's a clear day and you're driving on, on, on what is it, 168? Mm -hmm. 168. 168. And you're looking east. You see the mountains and you can see mountains behind other mountains. Yeah. And they look like they're right next to each other. Right. But when you climb up on that first mountain, you look back yeah. like Mammoth on the other side or right. McKin Mount uh, is it McKinley. Um, that, that you can look and see, wow, that's actually like 50, 60, 70, 100 miles away. Yeah. But it looks point. like they're right next to each other. Good illustration. And so it is with the telescopic aspect of scripture, like Joel 2.28. Mm -hmm. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You, you, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaids, I'll pour out my spirit of those days and they shall prophesy. And it says, and the sun shall be dark and the moon shall not give her light on the great day. So, so between those two verses, right. there you got day of Pentecost, but then it jumps all the way down to the second coming of Jesus. Yeah. And, and I think in some ways that the Lord may have done that purposely because we're not to know the day or the hour of the second coming. And he wants the generations of the church to always be expecting his coming, to motivate to holy living, to be prepared, to be watching, looking having our lamps full, growing up into a godly character. Mm -hmm. So so he's purposely kept that gap between the first coming and the second coming unclear yeah. because he wants the church awake and alert. Do you think also it puts some parameters on the beginning of a new age and the end of it? You know, he's giving you the, okay. the outpouring of the Spirit in Acts 2 and the day of the Lord, the end of that age, you know. Yeah, that's good. I, mean, I like that, that, that bookend. It's, bookends. it's like, like bookends of it. Yeah. So he, you can kind of see, okay, uh, when he comes, it's just going to be an outpouring of the Spirit in Acts 2. But when he comes a second time, you know, when the, when the Spirit comes, there's an outpouring, right? But then in this, on the other end of it, it's an outpouring of judgment and wrath, the day of the Lord. It's it's uh, the clouds, the darkness, everything's the moon is not going right. to shine. So he's kind of showing you. This is the beginning of it. This is the end of it. You know, that's the age you're going to live in. That, so. That's good. It doesn't give the time frame, but it, right. it doesn't it tell you how long it is. No, that's really good to, yeah. to consider that. Um, wow, there's so much there because because when you think about the the idea that, that is inserted by uh, John Nelson Darby and Schofield mm -hmm. and others of the dispensationalist view, mm -hmm. John, John Walford and, uh, and such, um, that what what becomes problematic is that they put a delay not on the second coming they put a delay on the kingdom right so then they rec they don't recognize that that the kingdom is now yeah. and not yet right so so although they're correct on the idea <coughs> that um there's a delay between the first and second coming mm -hmm. right and the idea is, is that if israel had truly repented yeah. And as a, as a whole, that, yeah. that the Lord would have come in that first century. Right. And so it's true, as Peter said, you know, repent and be converted in, in just chapter three of Acts. Mm -hmm. Peter says, repent and be converted in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And he will send the Lord Jesus who was before appointed unto you or preached unto you, mm -hmm. um, uh, whom the heavens must receive until mm -hmm. the time of, of the restoration of all things. Yeah. So, so, so Peter is predicating the restoration of all things and Jesus return. The heavens must receive him until, uh, upon the repentance of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so 
So that's the that's the call is mm. is is the call for repentance uh, of of the nations, mm-hmm. certainly the Gentiles being brought in, but also of Israel. Yeah, and so, but the fact that the Jews as a whole didn't repent, or the leadership of Israel didn't repent, uh, did not mean that there wasn't a kingdom inauguration mm-hmm. on Pentecost. Yeah. That the king is already sitting on the throne. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he is. He is. Uh, uh, he, he's. He's received power, as we mm-hmm. read in Matthew twenty-eight. All authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Go mm-hmm. therefore and make disciples. And so um, he's received that power, and he's reigning now, but not fully. Mm-hmm. He, there's a uh, um, this interim period of the kingdom now, where the kingdom does not come with observation. Mm-hmm. But for the kingdom of God is within you, you. Mm-hmm. right? But but then in Acts seventeen, I just love this. After you know he, he he says that to the Pharisees, he says, and then he told his disciples. So mm-hmm. he gives some insight to the disciples, right? Mm-hmm. And he and he tells them that um, that uh, the days will come when you desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, you shall not see them. Um, and and so the point being that that uh, there is a kingdom now and a kingdom not yet. Mm-hmm. And so what's been put on delay is the second coming, mm-hmm. okay? Um, not the kingdom yeah. uh, in the sense of there's no kingdom dynamic now. Right. Yes, the fullness of the kingdom has been put on delay, yeah. but there is a kingdom dynamic now. That, that was the one thing that I think is important to understand. There's many scriptures that do have that truncated kind of telescopic aspect to them where there is a gap between uh, the first and second coming. But we don't see that at all in Daniel 9. There's no gap there. There's no reason to see that gap there. All of those things are fulfilled in the first century, and we may get a chance to talk about that. We're actually (laughs) running out of time, but we're covering, I think, some important points here. And the one last thing on this, too, is the fact that uh, the prophetic time frame is three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, times, times, and a half a times, uh, you know, uh, 1260 days, 42 months, mm-hmm. um, three and a half years, mm-hmm. that this time frame um, is a future, uh, as I understand it, a, a culmination or crescendo of the tribulation that brings about massive upheaval yeah. and deception at the very end, leading up to the very second coming of Jesus. Yeah. So we, we got to acknowledge that there's at least that dynamic of a future uh, tribulation, uh, again, crescendo that's coming. And so we got to be sympathetic with our dispensationalists when they see some sort of a future, you know, fulfillment of that. Yeah. But not seven years and not pre, not a rapture, Mm -hmm. but simply there is a three and a half year time of tribulation that is very intense and a culmination of all those things. So to make that distinction. Yes. Yeah. So, Raptures on the last day, at the last trumpet, the end of the age. So we tell people very simple: the last, the last day, John six, the last trumpet, First Corinthians fifteen, and the end of the age, Matthew thirteen, parable of the wheat and tares. So end, 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 last, 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 last. <laughs> Not seven go. years before. There you so, go. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, well, we can start by looking at this. Daniel was praying, right? He was confessing all these sins. He was acknowledging why they were in Babylonian captivity. And so Gabriel comes, calls him the man, Gabriel. 
but he flies swiftly over to Daniel. He came to give him inter- uh, skill and understanding. That's Daniel 9.22. And 9.23 came and gave him understanding of the vision. And interestingly, Gabriel had already talked to Daniel in the previous um, chapter, chapter 8, and uh, talked to him about the uh, 2,300 days. So he gave him understanding for that as well. And this whole theme is very, very big theme in the book of Daniel because there's a lot, there's visions, there's dreams, there's, there's all these things that go on. And so that word, under, those words understand, understands, understanding appears 24 times in the book of Daniel. It's a major theme. And, um, but it's interesting that Gabriel, who gives this vision and understanding to Daniel, then becomes also the messenger from God in the gospel of Luke mm. to talk to Zechariah and Mary that, Hey, uh, the Lord is coming here. <laughs> this one that we talked about back there is coming. Now this Messiah, the anointed one is coming. And so, um, so he kind of, he kind of announces it back there. And now the fulfillment of him coming at least here through the birth of Jesus is also revealed by Gabriel the same yes. angel, almost 550 years later. So, so it's interesting. You know, Paul, Paul says, uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem those that are under the law. Yes. As Galatians. Uh, so, 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 but also, um, we see in the gospels, you know, uh, the time is fulfilled <clears throat> and he starts preaching the gospel. Yeah. Uh, the time is fulfilled. Yeah. The kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. And so, so the most likely referencing the 70 weeks of Daniel. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, there's three, I tell people there's three archangels, right? Gabriel who brings the word, mm-hmm. Michael who always brings warfare and Lucifer, who is in charge of worship, the three W's, right? The word, the the warfare, and the worship. Um, and Lucifer fell and th- took down a third of the angels with him. But here, this Gabriel, he's one that had a word. He had the message, and he gives messages to people. He always came to give message. It wasn't like uh, Michael, who came to war and fight. He came to bring messages to mm-hmm. people. So anyway... Again, we said there's a lot of words here, very important. And then we have this time period now, 70 weeks or 77s, so that's 490. Um, he also mentions that, that it, it concerns his people and the holy city. We know from scriptures, Nehemiah 11, Isaiah 52, Matthew 4, that the holy city is Jerusalem, he had already talked about Jerusalem here in the same chapter 9, verse 2, verse 7, verse 12, verse 16, and here in verse 25, he talks about Jerusalem. So it has to do with Jerusalem, right? And later on, we're going to see that Titus and the Roman army come against Jerusalem, you know, and against the temple there. So we know it's, this is what this prophecy is about. It's dealing with Messiah, and it's also dealing with the holy city of Jerusalem. That's an important point because that's where it's all going to be done and it's all going to take place and we believe it was all fulfilled in 70 AD right and upon your people not upon the whole world but yeah. upon the Jews right yeah yes, yeah yes yeah and so the word weeks or week appears seven times in verses 24 through 27 so those four verses seven times you have this word week or weeks um shabua is the word and it means seven or a group of seven or 77s so that's where we get the 70 times seven or 490 so um 
Uh, and there's uh, two key people, I believe, in these verses. One of them is Messiah the Prince, verse 25, also called Messiah in verse 26. Um, several of the modern translations call and use call him and use the words anointed one, which is what Messiah means. Mashiach is mm-hmm. the word for where we get our, uh, the word Christos in Greek is the anointed one, the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the word that is used here for um, Messiah is a word that's uh, not used uh, anywhere else in the book of Daniel, but it is used a lot in the Old Testament. It's 37 times in 36 verses it's translated anointed and so mashiach is the word from which we get our english word messiah and so daniel also 9:24 talks about that in this time we're going to anoint mashiach the holy one so that's that word anoint also is tied into it's the verb for this noun mashiach and so all these words are flowing in there if you look at the hebrew text in the New Testament, the word Messiah is only found twice in the New Testament. Um, in John 1, 41 and John 4, 25. And it's the, you know, in Greek, it's also Messiah. And so, um, so Mashiach, Messiah, the anointed one, that's Jesus. We know that that's Jesus Christ. Now, one thing to consider on that is that the word, uh, the Greek word Christos or Christ is mentioned hundreds of times. Correct. Uh, in the New Testament. Uh, which is the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew Mashiach. That's correct. Right. Very good. Yep. Yep. Now this 70 weeks gets broken up into three time periods, right? So in verse 25, seven weeks, and then twice in verse 25 and 26, it has 62 weeks. Mm -hmm. And then there's this last week in verse 27. So there's three different things, seven, 62 plus one. And uh, we did talk in the last um, radio program about why did this the weeks get converted into years, and we so we answered that, and we showed that it had to be years because nothing took place if we just make it 490 years. I mean, uh, weeks, nothing uh, fulfilled. Time, it. yeah, there was no, you know, that it, it it was there could be nothing that was fulfilled historically for Jesus or the Messiah in that time period. So it had to be years. It couldn't be and we also seven days a week. And elsewhere in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel is told uh, to lie on his side for 390 days, and he says a day for a year. Yes. A day for a year. So mm-hmm. that's that's right there in the scriptures as well. Yeah. So there in, uh, you, you were going to point out something about Gabriel was told by Daniel that from the command to restore and rebuild, Jerusalem, verse 25, until the Messiah gets cut off, which most people identify as Jesus dying on the cross, it will be seven weeks plus 62 weeks, which comes to 483 years. So how did we, how do we get, uh, when did, when does that start? When is this command to restore and build Jerusalem? That's such an interesting subject because there's, you know, different starting points that, um, people point to, but I'm, I'm, uh, fairly confident that we can, uh, trust that um, we uh, know that it is the decree, uh, the first decree of uh, Artaxerxes uh, that is the beginning point because we see here, so so there's there's those who believe it's Cyrus, it's Cyrus' decree, and there's, there's, there's some good reason to believe that because um, 
There's the uh, uh, opening of the book of Ezra mentions it, and also the closing of of, of Chronicles there mm-hmm. mentions that decree of Cyrus, um, uh, and that was seventy years, uh, you know, a- after the captivity started. So that did bring about the uh, culmination of the seventy years and mm-hmm. the uh, beginning of the uh, repatriation of the Jews in the land, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, there's a good reason uh, to understand that it is the decree of Artaxerxes because um, we see that uh, Artaxerxes was the son of Esther, okay, and Xerxes, which is interesting. Uh, and he was uh, the final of uh, uh, he gave the final of three royal commands. The other one was one was Cyrus, the other one was Dar- Darius, and then Artaxerxes. Okay, and so there was three royal decrees. So wouldn't you think that? Um, most likely it's a culmination of those three. Well, I think so, but we can take a look here in Ezra 6, 14. It says, And the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edo. Mm. They finished their building by the decree, okay, of the God of Israel, Mm. the decree of Cyrus Mm. and Darius and Artaxerxes, King of Persia. Mm. So, so it says again, the elders of the Jews built and prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and Zechariah, mm-hmm. and they finished their building by the decree of God. Mm. Really is what he's saying. It's the decree yeah. of God through oh. Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. So it wasn't just a random pagan ruler making a decree it was something that god uh, you know energized and, and worked into the history of man right that is exactly right yeah, and, it was and, god is the sovereign behind it that's yes. establishing that whole thing now yeah when you look at uh, Ezra 6:14 you can see that it's talking about the reign of Artaxerxes and um you know we we see that uh uh it's 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 458 uh BC, you can understand uh, the time frame. We have such great uh, chronicles of the times of the ancient kings when they start their reign and when they finish and when the next king comes in and starts. They, there's there's really amazing extra biblical um, chronology there that we can reference. And so we know that really 457 mm-hmm. uh, is really uh, when the decree was made. So if you count ahead, uh, four fifty from four fifty seven, uh, and you count ahead uh four hundred eighty three years, which is seven years prior to 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 that you know fulfillment of the four ninety. But again, as you mentioned, there's the seven weeks, the sixty two weeks, which mm-hmm. is sixty nine weeks, which is six hundred eighty three years unto Messiah. It takes you to AD twenty six. Wow, which is amazing to, to 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 know that because we know that Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Here we take a little bit, and so at the very time that John the Baptist baptized Jesus was the fulfillment of those four hundred and eighty three years, which launches Jesus' ministry. Yeah. Then we see that last week it says, "In the midst of the week, Messiah shall be cut off or killed." Mm-hmm. And so we see three and a half years later, and I think the. The, the best evidence for the year of our Lord's crucifixion is 8030. Mm-hmm. Not 8033, but 8030. And there's good reason for that. 
I'm not going to get into that right now, but, but so I do believe that we can uh, somewhat confidently understand that it was really the culmination of the decree of God yeah. regarding the restoration of, 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 of Jerusalem. Yeah. And he did that decree through Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes. We're getting that right here <clears throat> in Ezra 6.14. Mm-hmm. And that decree uh, that uh, Artaxerxes gives, and then Ezra um, um, uh, goes and restores the jurisprudence of mm-hmm. Jerusalem. He sets up judges and yeah. sets up the actually governance of the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding region of Israel at that time. Prior to that, the, temp, the temple found, the altar was built, the temple foundation was built, the temple was being built, the wall had started to be built, and, 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 and all that was, was delayed, and they reignited that effort and, and was finishing the actual structural building, mm-hmm. but Ezra came and established the actual governance of the city yeah. through that decree, and I think that's a good reason to understand that starting in 457, leading up to AD 26 of the baptism of Jesus, that final week, in the midst of the week, Jesus is cut off in, in AD 30 and crucified, mm-hmm. of course, and rose from the dead. It's interesting, Philip Morrow, in his book on the 70th weeks, he mentions that the only time period in the Gospels that's ever mentioned is Luke 3, one, where it says, now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, mm. Pontius Pilate was governor, Herod was the Tetrarch, uh, Philip was the Tetrarch of Iturea, uh, Licinius was Tetrarch of Abilene, Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests, and that's when the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. And so it I, actually gives us an identifying date onto Jesus' baptism. And that's the only place in the gospels that mentions a year and a date associated historically with the reign of Tiberius Gosh, that's Caesar. That's such an encouragement to, to see it's that. It's so precise. It's, I mean, it's amazing. There's no other, no other time element mentioned anywhere in the gospels except this one, the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. And what you just said, if it brings it right up to 26, uh, uh, AD there, then it fulfills exactly this 483 year time period. And right there when the baptism of Jesus. So. And, and then in Mark one, again, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus starts his ministry and Jesus says, he says in red letters, yeah, the time is fulfilled. Yeah. Repent. Yes. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Uh, and then of course the Magi, you mm-hmm. know, coming into this Christmas season, you know, uh, they they most likely were looking at the the book of Daniel, yeah. Understanding the constellations and the stars, of course, numbers talks about the star of Jacob and so on. But 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 the whole idea that they understood that within that 490 years there was this particular constellation that was going to happen. Wow! And that that was the time frame for the Messiah to come. <laughs> and and so they Amazing. they were coming to. To, uh, to to Jerusalem to figure out where he was. They end up in Bethlehem and all that. So, wow. yeah, so that's why it's so important to understand biblical prophecy. Yeah. The next next time we have our broadcast, I want to, we want to cover who these two princes are. There's two princes mentioned here in verses 26 and 27. There's, there's, there's some pronouns there, these he pronouns that are real critical. And then we'll break down that last week too, as we come into verses 26 and 27. And that, I think that's going to be very powerful. So I encourage our listeners to listen in when we do that next broadcast. Well, I can't wait because I feel like we're just scratching the surface here. 
today, but these are important foundational things in understanding uh, the, the book of Daniel. And as our producer Jeremy pointed out, you know, uh, Daniel uh, was, was reading and understood by books, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the prophet Jeremiah. And we can turn to Jeremiah 29 and see where it's prophesied about 70 years. Mm-hmm. And so Daniel was looking at those scriptures to understand what he was to do with regards to the situation there in Jerusalem. So we should be doing that, not only with regards to Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Let's be praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's pray mm-hmm. for peace in Gaza and around the world. But uh, we're going to be continuing to trusting in God's word and looking to his word, searching the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. God bless you Amen. all. Bless you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in with us. I've conquered.